Today I'm going to actually finish up my Christmas series. We began with the whole theme of birthing. And last time I spoke, I spoke on the theme of fulfillment. And so from birth to fulfillment, there is this process or journey. And so today I'm going to touch upon the theme of quest. I titled the message, Quest for Jesus. Uh, let's turn to Matthew chapter 2. Verses 1 to 12. And let's read this out loud together. This is a story that we are all very familiar with. The story of the Magi traveling and journeying on to find Jesus in the little town of Bethlehem. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when he rose went ahead of them, until he stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Amen. Amen. I'm sure that all of you agree that we, all of us, we have a dream, a hope, longing for something that is greater, better, and richer. And this is just human nature. To constantly aim for something that's greater and better than what we have in the present. So we operate with a sense of goal, purpose, meaning, and significance. Now, I don't want to go deep into philosophical talks, but as many of you know of a great philosopher named Plato, his understanding about ultimate reality, the ultimate essence of things, he defined that in terms of eidos. This is in Greek, which means idea or form. He said basically there are three ultimate essences. And to top off all three, there's one. He starts off with good. He's aiming for something good. Goodness is the ultimate, ultimate reality, ultimate truth. And then he talks about true, what is true and what is just. That's also something very ultimate. Then he also talks about beauty, how beauty is so important, and how human beings, we have been created to be moral and aesthetic, that is emotional, and also contemplative. So that we, we are thinking always of the things of the truth. Okay. 
In Christianity, we say that the ultimate truth has to do with love or piety. And we might say that's all of our life. Our life is to love God and to love others and to truly be pious in our hearts towards God. Well, I believe all of these ideas that's ultimate is really embodied in Jesus Christ. And this is what Christmas is all about. That God Himself, who signifies the ultimate, He came in the human form. So, what Plato was talking about, everything that is of goodness, truth, beauty, that's there in Christ. If you see Christ, He is the ultimate good. He is the ultimate truth. He is the ultimate beauty. And so, to pursue Christ and what Christ represents, that's the, that's the ultimate destiny for all of us. So, what we're going to do today is we're going to examine um, the travel of the Magi to find this truth, find this beauty, to find this goodness in Jesus Christ. And along with that, maybe we can see some kind of analogy for our own quest, even this year. By the end of this year, we're looking for something better, something greater, something more richer. It's something that will give us even greater sense of fulfillment and satisfaction. Whether it be God, whether it be our intimate relationship with God, or some profound spiritual awakening, or it could be just a real sense of destiny, going somewhere. I feel like I've been aiming to do something or accomplish something, and by this, the end of this year, I really want to achieve that. Whatever it may be, I believe that as we follow and track with the Magi on their travel, I think we're going to see some very important principles. First principle that we see is that the Magi, they were essentially truth seekers. They were seekers of truth, and this is very important that we are constantly on a pursuit of seeking the truth. Verses 1 and 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when he rose and have come to worship him. Now, who are the Magi? Now, are you familiar with the background of the Magi, who these people were? Because unless we understand who they were and what they were seeking for, we cannot really understand the whole story. So let me tell you a little bit about the Magi. First of all, the Magi were not the kings. They were not political figures. As the traditional hymn says, or we three kings of Orient are, they talk about three kings. There's no indication that there are three kings. Even the Christian tradition has like these kings had their own names. Caspar, Mercure, Barthasar. There's no truth to that at all. Okay. Historically speaking, Magi were not kings. They were what we would call religious philosophers. And they belonged to the Median tribe. And the Medes were, of course, the part of the Persian Empire. And initially, the history is that these Magi were part of this political power that tried to overthrow the Persians, but they failed in the process. 
and they let go of their ambition for power and prestige, and they rather chose the spiritual solution for this. And they created a tribe of priests and spiritual devotees like the Levites of Israel. And many of them, they decided to live in the Persian court, teaching and advising the Persian kings and royalties. So, who were the Magi? Magi were the intellectuals of those days. They were experts in philosophy, medicine, and natural science, and especially astronomy and astrology. They were experts in understanding the order of the universe, and they understood the movements of the stars. Today, we would say, oh, they are like uh, superstitious people who are looking at the stars, but it wasn't like that in the olden days. Stars were something that pointed to their destiny, something that had to do with their own identity and, and the essence of things. And they believed in, in the ancient days, they believed that human beings, their destiny was governed by the stars. Now this has degenerated throughout history and now they are associated with fortune telling or sorcery and magic and charlatanism and we see that but in those days, in Jesus' days, the Magi were highly intellectual and spiritually elite people. And they were seeking for truth. And so today, the equivalent of the Magi would be the scientists seeking for truth, or philosophers seeking for wisdom, or simply detectives, NCIS, you know, seeking for truth to get at the root of the crime, for example. And they were searching the universe, they were searching the heavenly bodies for truth. And then, of course, they came upon this star, this very unique star. I'll talk about that in a little while. And uh, they didn't know what to make of that, except that this was a sign of something divine that was happening. And so they traveled to Palestine, they came to the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem, and they inquired of them, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews. And they were somehow familiar with the Messianic hope, even though they were not Jewish, they were Gentiles, and yet they must have had some kind of contact with the Diaspora Jews, because Jews were just spread everywhere, uh, ever since their exile. You know, they, they were in Syria, and they were in, in Babylon, they were in Persia, they were in, in Medo-Persia, and, and so they were spread everywhere, so they must have come into contact with them. And so what we see is that for the Magi to be interested in this Messiah who belonged to the Jewish community is something uh, very, very interesting because why would, they, why would they be attracted to a Messiah that has nothing to do with their own tradition? Because they were seeking for truth. And if they were to find truth in something outside of their culture and their historical uh, tradition, then they were willing to go for that. And so they were seeking. They were seekers of truth. Okay. Then another important element that comes into play is the scripture. How the scripture helps to ground them. I'm sure the Magi were already aware of the scripture, the Jewish scripture. And that's why they traveled all the way down to Palestine. As the star was leading them to Palestine, they realized that, wow, that's where the Jews are. 
then we need to really understand what the Jewish culture and Jewish scripture is saying. So from the diaspora Jews, they probably gather some information regarding the Messiah. Let's look, read from verse 3 to verse 8. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child as soon as you find him. Report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Now the interesting thing here is that the scripture that they were talking about is the Hebrew scripture. Is the scripture of the Jews. It's the word of God for the Jews. And yet, the people who have something to do with this were not taking this matter seriously. And the Magi who were outside of that tradition, they took this matter seriously. For example, Herod, he was troubled by, actually troubled by this, this news that he, he just heard which is based upon the scripture. But instead of taking that seriously, he conspired to actually find out where this king, newly born king, existed, and then he actually wanted to get rid of him. He was conspiring to get rid of the truth that is based upon the word of God. And the guardians of the truth, the high priests and the teachers of the law, they were the ones who interpreted the truth based upon the word of God. And this is the truth. And yet, they were very passive and indifferent to the truth. They would rather hold on to their temple rituals and legal discussions, theology talks, and all of that. And they were not interested in getting at the truth of the matter. But look at the Magi. This was not even their own scripture. But from the scripture... They discovered this truth and they were willing to accept it. They were willing to believe this. And they were serious about pursuing this. And if this truth is found in the form of the Messiah, they were willing to submit to the Messiah and obey the Messiah. Okay. So already we see two elements. Seeking for truth. Truth seekers. And finding something from the Bible which grounds them which creates the foundation for them to pursue this truth. But then there's this extra element that we see, and that is the element of divine revelation. Divine revelation. Let's read verses 9 and 10. After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now, what does the star signify? What is the meaning of this star? Was it just some kind of phenomenon, just a sign? I believe the star represents divine revelation. Why do I say this? Because this is not an ordinary star. This is how you recognize the divine revelation from just any kind of ordinary 
information that we see, any kind of ordinary information we see in the internet. And today we, we're overloaded with information. The information technology is the name of the game of 21st century. Everybody has access to all this information. It's out there. News, gossips, technical instructions, theories, methodologies, people's testimonies. It's all out there in the internet. Okay. But divine revelation is something different. Divine revelation is something that catches our eyes, sparks something, inspires something, and we say this is out of the ordinary. Now we know that anything that is of the ultimate, whether it's philosophical truth or scientific truth or truth about our own identity and our destiny, they cannot simply happen by our own investigation. The Magi did not find the Messiah simply because they made an effort and they were seeking out the truth. They were assisted by divine revelation. So it seems like God helps those who really want to find the truth. And this is exactly how I came to the Lord in 1982. I was an artist involved in dance and choreography, getting ready to become a professional in that area. And uh, right before I was to become a professional, I would graduate from this training school in New York City, and I would become a professional dancer, and I wanted to pursue the career in choreography. But right before then, I came across this truth about Jesus Christ. Now, I was seeking, because there was an emptiness, a void in my heart, so deep and dark, that I actually was at the verge of committing suicide. You know, I, I want to just tell my wife and my children that, uh, that there was a time when I was suicidal. But actually, I was afraid that I might take my own life, and therefore, I locked myself in this room for about a week, and I got all these books and resources, and I wanted to get at the truth. There was that one-week period in which I was deeply philosophical and deeply profound and you might say existential that is like my whole existence was you know at the verge of expiring if i did not discover the truth well i was seeking but i could not just seek one way with my effort it was as i was seeking i saw god coming and seeking me out and so the Bible says, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. Seek Him with all your heart and He will be found by you. And this is absolutely true. This is exactly what we see in the case of Magi. They were seeking God. They were seeking for truth. And they didn't care whether that it was found in the Middle Persian Empire or whether it is found amongst the Jewish community. Wherever the truth is and if if God were to show them that truth, they were willing to follow that truth. And they saw that through the star which appeared. Even when they were in Persia, the star appeared in the sky. And, and the thing about this star was that it, this was not an ordinary type of star. It was not a fixed star. Usually, star is fixed. Like the North Star for, for sailors, that's very important. So that, you know, you have the fixed North Star, so wherever you are, 
you know that that's the north. And so you orient yourself based upon the north. And you calculate the course based upon that. But this was a moving star. And this was a moving star that seems to shine brightly beyond others. And it was pointing to something. The thing about revelation of God is that, first of all, the star itself is not a diffused light. It's not like the sunlight that's diffusive. And it's a very focused light. And the whole idea about this focused light is that it points to something. The light points to something. And it is actually a guiding light. And so they were following this guiding light, the revelatory light that's implanted in their hearts. And then they began on their journey of travel. Now, Esther and Mijin know this along with me, that in the olden days when we were doing River of Life Church, there were many, many prophecies that were spoken to us. Many great words that were given to us by the outsiders. And even us, within our groups, we felt convicted that there's something about us that we need to pursue. That's kind of like a revelation. It's like a revelatory light, isn't it? And we operated with that. We were following that light. Our hearts were following and being led by the light. But the problem with the light is that sometimes the light seems to disappear. And there's a reason for that. And for me, there was a, quite a number of years when the light kind of disappeared. I didn't care about the light anymore. I said, forget the light, forget revelation, forget prophecy, and forget all this you know, pointing to your destiny. And I just wanted to be a common, ordinary person. I just wanted to you know, excel in small things and just mundane things. And that's beautiful. And that's the way it should be. But the thing is, that light, which sparked, which was so focused and distinct at one point, has become dim. And now the cloud or the storm has covered it. Now there's just a dark cloud everywhere. And you don't see the light. But again, the light comes to appear. And that's what happens. Occasionally, the light appears and I follow the light again. And then the season comes, it will be darkened again. Light will be gone. And then again, the light will appear. And this is the nature of this kind of revelatory light. You know, God doesn't just keep on shining, shining, shining. God tests our faith by saying, I shine, but can you now trust where I shone and now where I'm leading and can you continue to walk that path by faith instead of doubting me? And so the important about the light is remember when the light last shone in your life. Just remember that and continue to walk by faith in that. And as you walk by faith, you see the light appearing again and guiding you more. You know, there's a, a scripture in, in Psalms that says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The thing about a lamp to my feet is exactly that. It's not a high beam down the freeway. It's a lamp to my feet. That means you could only see one foot at a time, just a few short distance at a time. But the beauty of this is if you walk by that small light, that's shining. And then you can see more as you arrive incrementally, step by step. But if you don't step into that, 
you're, you're staying in the same place because you cannot see any more than that. So you have to be moving. I really feel that what we need to do this year is don't just stand still and become passive and do nothing, but be constantly moving towards the light. Moving where the light is leading us, guiding us. And we cannot receive more light, we cannot receive more revelation unless we arrive at that place where God wants us to arrive. And so by the end of this year, we need to ask this question, where do I want to arrive? How much more should I pursue in that direction with the little light that I have, little revelation that I have received that's so sure? How far can I go with that? And as I walk faithfully, by the end of this year, God's going to shine more light. I really believe that for each one of us. So don't fret about how little light I have, how, how it's, not, it's not strong, how, how I don't have conviction about this. That's not the important thing. What little light you have, that's the lamp to your feet. Walk, take the steps, and then you will see more light. And you will be able to see the future better. And so, it is important that we walk in faith based on the given insight. The little light that we have. And when we are confused or lost, we need to ask, what was the last clear direction that God has given us? When was the light shining? So we need to kind of go back when we are sure that this was of the Lord. And then we need to be simply led by step by step as the Holy Spirit will lead us. And this is what we mean by walking by faith, walking by revelation, walking by the light of the Lord. Okay, we've come to the final section, and this is the important thing. Let me just review that the Magi, they were truth seekers. You need to constantly be seeking for truth everywhere. Just be a man or woman who is truth seeker, not be content. Because today we're living in a society, people can become content. They become content with uh, COVID-19. Actually, this could be a perfect cover-up for all of us to be now lazy and passive and do nothing. And, and we have an excuse. It's the pandemic, you know. But if you are like the Magi, then you will be constantly seeking for truth. There's more. Seeking, seeking. And be grounded in the scripture. And remembering every incident of divine revelation. Little light source that God has shown into your heart. And don't take that for granted. Treasure that. Then we come to finally the fourth very important principle. And that is the principle of worship and allegiance. What is this all about? What is our destiny all about? It's all about worshiping Christ and giving our allegiance to Him more than ever before. That's what it's about. And this is exactly what the Magi did. Let's look at verse 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped Him. Then they opened their treasures and presented Him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now what is worship? Obviously worship is not some kind of ritual. Now, these Magi, they were familiar with the ritual in Persia. In all the countries, Middle Eastern countries in those days, around Mediterranean, in the Mediterranean region, they all worshipped some form of God. They all had rituals. They all had sacrifices. But they were not satisfied with rituals because they, they had their own temples there. They had 
their own altars there. And they visited Jerusalem. They had, you know, the temple and they, they got the altar there. And they were, you know, the priests were going through all the rituals. They were not satisfied with rituals. What worship is, is really about allegiance. It is about commitment. It is about establishing God as our king and we willing to subject ourselves to his kingship. That's what worship is. You know, worship is not just singing some songs like what we do every Sunday. I mean, that's part of worship. But here in Korea, every time preachers and Christians in general, they talk about worship, they're talking about worship service. You know, that one hour, two hours a week. And they're, they're trying to put up a fight over this worship service thing. But that's not what worship is about. Because Jesus himself said, you know, Father is looking for worshipers who are worshiping in spirit and truth. It's not about here in Jerusalem or there in Samaria. It's not about worshiping in the temple, worshiping in a, some kind of a holy place. It's wherever you are, you're carrying the spirit of worship by giving your allegiance to Christ and, and saying that His kingdom is my priority. So the Magi, even before they traveled on to Palestine and then the city of Bethlehem in this region, they determined beforehand to worship this king if he was to be found. So they already prepared the gifts. Very costly, very appropriate. You might even say very prophetic. They already prepared it. They didn't just haphazardly say, okay, uh, let's, so we bought, brought some lot of riches and let's just take them all out and just dump them at the feet of the king. No, they didn't. They had it very symbolic. They could have given more than that. They could have given sacks of you know, gold and silver, but they didn't do that. They had this token amount which was symbolic and they laid before the baby Jesus. What did they give? Gold. Gold is given to the king. All the nations that would submit to the king, they had to give gold because gold was the highly valued. And then frankincense, that it has to do with aroma that they would uh, lift up to their gods in the temple. And so that it has special scent. And so this is giving worship and acknowledging Jesus' divinity. Myrrh. Myrrh has to do with humanity, and usually it was something that was used for barrier. So they somehow sensed the humanity of this king and somehow even prepared something for his barrier when the king dies, for example. They were willing to do that. But the important thing here is that they were willing to give their hearts, their possessions. They were willing to give their time, their efforts, their quest. They were willing to give their whole new allegiance to Jesus Christ. How do we know that they were willing to do all that? Well, we know by simply that final verse in verse 12. It says, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. In other words, Herod, who wanted to kill this king, the Magi, since this kind of deception in the heart of Herod, he, they would not participate in this plot. And they were willing to secretly give their allegiance to Jesus Christ. And then they went back to their own country. Now, now that we don't know the story, what happened afterwards, but we can pretty much 
tell that they kept this faith in their heart for rest of their lives. So they may not see Jesus anymore, but they would constantly hear about Jesus from their own homeland as Jesus is growing from Bethlehem and then maybe in Nazareth and then he's ministering later on in Jerusalem and Judea. Then they would have heard about Jesus and they were constantly keeping their report in tune. And they were not Jews, they were Gentiles, but they kept Jesus in their heart and they traveled all the way back to their homeland with Jesus in their heart. I believe that they constantly gave their allegiance to Jesus. Just like if you see Daniel during the, during the uh, exile, you know, the temple was destroyed in Jerusalem. Now Daniel was placed in Babylon. Okay? And he had to go through many, many seasons of, from Babylon to Persian and, and to you know, Medo-Persian and all the empires changing. But Daniel kept the faith in his heart. And we know that he did because he would constantly face himself to Jerusalem and then he would pray daily you know, with faith towards the God of the Jews. And so maybe the Magi were operating the same way. They were distanced uh, and they didn't have Jesus right there available for them, but they kept Jesus in their hearts and they continued to operate with this kind of worship and allegiance. And so I thought this would be interesting for us to, um, to think about the truth that we see regarding the Magi's journey and that they were truth seekers. They were grounded in the scripture. They were led by some kind of revelatory light and their primary priority was to worship God and give allegiance to God. Amen. So this is my final message for this long Christmas season. I believe actually every, every day should be Christmas anyway because Christ has to be rebirthed in, in our souls every day, every moment because Christ is there in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray.